is going on? Welcome to the show, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. What's up? I'll tell you what's up. It's not a thousand degrees in southwest Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we go nuts when we get a little fall air, even if it's just like 10 degrees away from 90 degrees, which is like in the 80s. Right. You saw the math I did there? Yeah. yeah. On on the spot math. Yeah, and not as humid, so then it dries up. You know, it's nice. So anyway, welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for being here today on the podcast or on the radio Sorry we missed you guys last week. I got some texts and emails and be like, where were you? Really? Yeah. It's nice to know you're you're wanted. Or here's what people love to do, and I do appreciate it, is they love to let me know that the show played again. So if yeah. you if you're you know, locally on the radio, we'll just re air the show if we if we missed a week. Right. Right. It's called a rerun. Now on the podcast you can listen over and over. But anyway, yeah. so people love to tell us that and that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's not like and be like, "Hey, uh, well, I'm I'm in Vail, Colorado," <laughs> which I was last week. Vail, Colorado. You know, we we're kind of texting, trying to figure out when to record, mm-hmm. and you know, our schedules are are crazy. We're usually consistent, unless I'm traveling or you're traveling, whatever. Yeah, things come up. But uh, last week I was in Vail, Colorado. Where is Vail, Colorado? So you fly into Denver, basically okay. drive two hours straight. You know, kind of like north, south, east, west. Into the mountains or um, west into the mountains. Oh, okay. Straight up. Wow. You know, two hours into the mountains. So I went from, from like zero under, like under sea level here, mm-hmm. got in a plane, flew there to Denver, which is a mile high city. So it's, you know, a couple thousand feet. Mm-hmm. And then drove up to like 11,000 feet. Wow. So yeah, it goes like, which is cool because it's like all the mountains you would see with snow and, and ski lifts and all that. They're all mm. green. Like there's no snow. Oh, okay. There's about to be. Yeah. Yeah. But wow, that's I awesome. I wasn't vacation. Must have been beautiful. By the way. No, you're People on mission. Like, hey, that sounds great. I mean, don't feel sorry for me. I wasn't veiled. <laughs> right? Right. But you're on mission. You're you know, bringing the mission. gospel. Yeah. It's cool. Out there, the Archdiocese of Denver, which is yeah. pretty much, there's only three dioceses in the whole state of Colorado, right? Two of them are like south and they kind of split and then- Archdiocese okay. of Denver is like, like all of the north, three fourths of the state. Wow, you know okay. the top. Anyway, that blows my mind. So you drove two hours from Denver, still in the Archdiocese of Denver. One hundred percent. Wow. Okay. Whereas Louisiana, we have seven dioceses. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, it's crazy. In two hours, I can go through three dioceses. Uh, yeah. Like I can go from here, Diocese of Lafayette, drive through the Diocese of Homa, and get to the Archdiocese of New Orleans. That's right. You're right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and, and I could circle into Baton Diocese of Baton Rouge all within two hours. You know, like yeah, they have eight-hour drives in their diocese. Yeah, you know, there's something about that, and we used to be like that in Acadiana. I mean, there's stories of these heroic priests and bishops of uh, the early days where you know they get on horseback because they didn't have car, but they'd have to ride forever because we had one diocese, Natchitoches, and then we had New Orleans, two dioceses. And like those trips, those mission trips, those pastoral visits you'd have to make cost a lot. You know, you have to go far. And uh, it just gives the, I don't know, it gives a certain missionary feel, I think. And um, this is what I've noticed about visiting places like Vail, Colorado. I haven't been there, but other dioceses that were like, it's just a huge territory. Right. It's a totally different strategy. Because all you're thinking is, how do we reach the people yeah. <laughs> that are so far dispersed, you know? It's cool learning the history. And, you know, we're obviously like operating our time and like, all the conveniences and technology and travel, we don't often think about it, but like 
you know, we we lived down in the diocese of Homa for a while. We lived in a lot of dioceses, but you know, that's still sort of a you know small rural diocese. Mm. But the history of it's really cool, is because like you know, you just don't land there and like the lands developed. You know, the Cajuns right. settled there and it's swamp. Yeah, right. Like like you had to create trails. So like if you travel down the bayous that go like from inland all the way down to the Gulf, like that's sort of like your pathway, right? Like right. you would travel by boat or canoe or, you know, P-Rogue or whatever. And then missionary priest would travel a certain distance along the bayou and just be like, we're going to put a church here. And they would start a mission there. And then you travel. And so you could travel that down the bayou even now. Like every church is strategically planted a certain distance down the bayous. Mm-hmm. And and it's like so cool. They they cool. built roads after the churches. People traveled in boats Yeah, before they did, you know, cars. That's awesome. Boats mean with no motors. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I mean, and that... To me, that's the icon of what we should always be about as a church is like we build the culture. We don't join it. You know, like we lead the way. Yeah. That's when we're at our best. When we try to like fit in to a culture, it doesn't work. Yeah. When the church is missionary, when you look at that. Mm -hmm. Now, we're obviously developed from that. Like we've come a long way because of those missionaries. But yeah, it it is kind of cool. So I was in Vail, Archdiocese of Denver hosted a youth leaders retreat. So all their youth leaders, youth ministers, youth directors from around the archdiocese, they had a a retreat Mm -hmm. for them, which was cool because they just came to go on retreat. It wasn't, hey, learn more about youth ministry or... Right, you didn't do a workshop or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I led them on a three-day retreat. Wow, what a great opportunity. It was cool, yeah, it was good. Great group of people because you, you know, I get a lot of respect for folks who were in the trenches. Yep. You know, they, they're just living it. They're, they're current missionaries as we're talking. They're mm-hmm. missionaries in their parishes. They're missionaries to families and youth. They're really in the trenches, like doing the hard work. Mm-hmm. A lot of work that a lot of people say no to or, you know, it's too hard or they don't make enough money. The, these people are making sacrifices yeah. to, like, do mission work in and for our church, and I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah. Yes. As I say this, I think you would appreciate the context. Maybe not. Let me know if you don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. But (laughs) it seems like there are certain chapters in, let's say, youth ministry, but also the speaking ministry of the church, what I would call preaching, by the way, instead of speaking ministry. But Yep. That is a spiritual gift. Yeah. Um, That... You can kind of look at the decades and see this. So like in the 90s, in America at least, we needed a lot of um, reconnecting to our faith. There was just a lot of challenges in the in the 60s, 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. where people just kind of got disconnected from what our faith was. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of emphasis on learning your faith, relearning it, like re-catechizing, re, right. um, Absolutely. reintroducing people to Jesus too, but in the context of like rediscovering a faith. That's what it felt like to me in the 90s. Like well, it was a, a catechesis around the person of Jesus because right. it's like coming out of the 70s, it was like, oh, yeah, cool, surfer Jesus, do whatever you right. want. You're like, yeah, no, that's not the Jesus of the gospel, the real Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it had the sense of kind of like rediscovery, right? Like let's rediscover what Catholicism is all about, which is Jesus, mm-hmm. and let's rediscover what the church really teaches because we none of us were learned, taught that. You know what I'm saying? Right. 
that was in the nineties and the two thousands. Um, I don't know how to, but now it seems like there's different challenges where we just need a lot of church presence in our preaching, in our youth ministry, where like, okay, we, all the blogs have been written, all the book, you know what I'm saying? It's not that we don't know the faith and it's not that we don't know what Catholicism is all about. It seems like the bishops on down, we all get it. It's all about Jesus. It's all about a relationship with him. It seems like the challenge now is who's going to actually labor in the vineyard the way you just described. Like right. who's going to get to work, roll up their sleeves and bring Jesus. And so uh, there's lots of people answering that call. So to me, I guess what I'm saying is, is an optimistic comment because to me, there are a lot of people ready to do that. There are a lot of people ready to roll up their sleeves. And so I'm excited about the next chapter of youth ministry, the next chapter of, you know, like, like putting away the whole celebrity Catholic model. Mm -hmm. I think we're all ready to do that and move on to what we really need, which is preachers. We need people to go around the country and share the gospel to as many people as possible. Yeah, we need people just living it in their town, in their city, in their church. Mm. You know, these youth ministers are like heroic to me. You know, they're yeah. not, and they're not trying to be famous or big or like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they're just like discipling people. And I, I think youth ministry is evolving. Like we're talking about that is like, we are in desperate need to reach the families, the yes. whole family. So mm -hmm. like, you know, we talk about these youth ministers, like they are missionaries to families as well, because he, you can't, you know, just reach the youth and not think about the family. Right. Right. And so the, there's a lot going on, you know, where I think where we are in the 2020s mm -hmm. is the the result of all the bad years of family, not not the church, right? Like like just culturally in the society, yeah, in yeah, society, you know, it, generations and generations of broken marriages, and yep. generations and generations of kids not going to church or being lost, men, women, all of it, you know, it's all you know, mm -hmm. the human condition. And I think, you know, the church is trying to figure out how to like really reach the whole family. Yeah. Well, I think it's beautiful too that, not that I, I don't mean this in any disrespect to anything, but it seemed like for a while we had to use certain gimmicks to keep people interested in Jesus, like certain entertaining or, I don't know. And if you were really good at that, um, oh, you'd make a great this or that. And you kind of moved up the ranks of ministry and we kind of, you know, and now it seems like none of us care about those gimmicks anymore. Like I think that's not, a fair statement. Yeah, and and so we're just we're just discerning God's will and what our charisms are, right? Like some some people have a charism for a particular type of youth ministry, let's say, and some people don't. And what's most needed is those charisms, like you said, of those day in and day out relationships with families, with children. That takes a gift. I mean, that's not like not everybody can do that. And so I think every parishioner should discern, do I have a charism for that in my parish? Like, right. can, I, can I be in a good relationship with a few families that have teenagers? I can tell you what I sense is happening. You know, that's a fair statement. I think the church at some point looked around, and it might have been in the 90s, 80s, you know, and it was like, well, we're, we're bleeding out. That's right. <laughs> okay, we're yeah. hurting bad. Like, attendance is down, people aren't coming, people are crazy. Like, who's... Who's doing church well? And I think mm -hmm. there was a part of the church that looked around and said, oh, there's non-Catholic churches who are doing church well. Let's just do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. N not with bad intentions. Like, oh, they, like they're doing it well. They're doing, 
whatever they're doing, they're getting people. And and I think the the church tried to sort of model and do those things. And I'm, I'm not going to get into that, like good, yeah. bad, or ugly methods. Right. But I think what the church is doing now is saying the best thing that we can do is be Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Be like authentically who we are as a church. And if we do that well, liturgy and loving and Jesus and discipleship and evangelization and missionary and do it authentically Catholic of just being true to us, Mm -hmm. that's going to go great. Right. Because, you know, you even drill that down in just to who we are as humans, men, women, like the best thing that I can do is be authentically who God created me to be. I, I, mm-hmm. I can't be you. I, I mean, I can look at you and, and, and like model some characteristics or some virtues and say like, Adam does that well. And, and I, I should learn how he, he does certain things well. But at the end of the day, like I can't pretend to be you. Like I have to be authentically me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The church is, I think, for the most part, coming around that, just saying let's let's just be, let's just be true to ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a profound insight. And as you say that, I remember, I remember, like especially in those '90s period, it's a sense of the church should be more this, like more missionary, more whatever. I think we're getting more to a place now where we're realizing the church is missionary. And if we're more ourselves, like you said, if we're more Catholic, I love that idea. Like, let's just be most ourselves we could be. That's how we become more missionary. That's how we become more uh, spreading the kingdom of God like we ought to be. It's not by becoming more like what we're not, but becoming more of who we actually are. Yeah, I mean, as a culture, people are confused about who they are, right? Yeah. And churches have become confused about who they are. I think yeah. like the best thing that the church can be is authentically who it is, right? Yeah. And not trying to be something else. You know, we can learn from other things and methods and ways, but at the end of the day, like, you know, the fight in our culture is for the church to be authentic to its teachings, authentic to it's missionary identity, mm-hmm. authentic to who Jesus is, not changing any of those things, authentic to the liturgy, to the worship, and just being, you know, the most, the, the people I love being around, like, are people who are just very comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. And I try to explain this to my teenagers. You know, when you have teenagers, they kind of, they run in packs, mm-hmm. right? And they run in packs of people they feel comfortable with. They're, they're kind of all the same, you know, they kind of go in groups. Like when I, you know, was in, in school in the, in the early nineties in high school, you know, it's like they had all the stereotypes, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, those are the band kids. Those are the, you know, athletes, you know, those are the, the nerds, you know, those are the, you know, the druggies that, you know, like everybody was <laughs> like clumped into like groups. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Oh yeah. Okay. And, and you were a little bit after me, but I think it kind of keeps going. Right. Yeah. And like, I always found it like, particularly like after my conversion in late high school, like I loved like building relationships with all the groups. Like you're like, Mm -hmm. what are y'all just doing in groups? Like, (laughs) I don't know. It just seems like Jesus would be in all the groups, right? Like that just made sense to me. Right. Mm -hmm. So as I had teenagers, I was like, you know, Hey, like, don't like just put yourself in a group, like build relationships with all these people. And it's awkward. It feels weird, you know? Mm -hmm. And I tell them, I was like, I'm telling you, like, as you get older, like, you will just align with people 
from different groups who share the same authentic values you do. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, I have friends who are like nerds and musicians and like they were band kids and, you know, a cheerleader, an athlete, a, you know, like a whatever, like they were just like a, and they're looking at me like, that's not possible. Right. Mm -hmm. But okay, here's what I'm coming around. People I love the most being around are people who are just authentically themselves. They're not trying to be someone else or something else, right? Yeah. They're authentic to who God made them to be, and it's a beautiful witness of life. When the church lives that way, it just becomes very attractive. We're not changing, you know. We're not, we're not, you know. Yeah, we are who we are. Yeah, we're not being something, something else. Yeah, love it. You know. That's the beauty. It's the beauty of the church. And it's the church universal. That's why, you know, if you see an authentic church, you're just attracted to it. And that could be in Africa. It could be in Central America. It could be in America. I think we've struggled more in America trying to be something other than we're not. So well, that's 100% true. And, I, and then your insight how that starts in the family. I mean, we have so many families with members who are not. They don't know who they are, right? Like they don't, they're not comfortable in their own skin. They're trying to find their way. Um, so when the church comes out of those families, like it, that makes sense. Right. Um, which is why I think that uh, charism and mission of preaching is going to be so important in the coming decade because how do we discover who we are? We have to be told. Well, that's 100%. You know, and you know, you're getting into raising teenagers now, like as your oldest becomes a teenager. Like navigating your kids, like having a safe place at home, the mom mm -hmm. and the dad. Like, what is our main role? Like, like if you were to sum it into something, like one thing is like you're reminding your kids who they are through right. the ups and downs and through their like trying to figure out who they are, right? Like, because yeah. that's just normal yeah. adolescence and like coming out of latency and and growing. Is as a parent, you're constantly speaking truth into them, even though they 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 don't hear it or want to. This is who you are. This is who you, like I'm reminding you of your identity, who you are, and then they come out of it like on the back end, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we do as a family. Like when families are healthy, like they're living in their true identity. When the church is doing that, it becomes a vibrant culture of life, and and you see it like when you you go to a church, it's just authentic to who it is, and that's why I like I, I certainly oftentimes don't like to get into arguments about like methods. Or mm. like, oh, you like this liturgy and you like this is like when they're when the church is authentic, it's just attractive. I just when the music's authentic, it's just attractive. I I, I can't song select for you. I'm not good mm. at that. <laughs> I just know I just know when it's authentic and it's beautiful. All right. Dude, we got some weird Catholic stuff coming up, some crazy. Oh, so yeah. all right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less? Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Three eight seven eight five three three.
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in on the podcast, uh, iTunes, Spotify. I don't know what else. We're all over. You know, they got Wi-Fi on the International Space Station. So theoretically, they could be listening to the show like out of this world. That's great. And uh, (laughs) good news. Shout out to our good friend, uh, Kyle Hyman, who operates a platform called Spoke Street. Spoke Street. SpokeStreet.com, which is cool. On there is a platform of Catholic podcasts, a bunch of them. Wow. And we are on there. Wow. Spoke Street, huh? Yeah. How does a podcast become a Catholic podcast? Is it baptized? Is there some kind of process? I had to sign an agreement, and we just signed (laughs) it this week, so they're going to put us on there. But the fresh ink agreement is that things that we talk about have to align with the teachings of the church. Like we can't, we can't be heretical. Good, good. I'm glad to get that over. I mean, we can be challenging, but we can't be heretical. Right, right. That's yeah. great. I'm glad Kyle's in our life now. He's gonna keep us. Come on, Kyle. On get that the, uh, thing up. Narrow. I'm, I'm looking on there, man. <laughs> um, Spoke Street. Spoke so, Street. Go to it. So I guess there's a SpokeStreet.com. Is that how that works? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we're all over. But anyway, uh, okay. You know what we didn't do? Mm. We didn't get to the. Have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. So this one's kind of utterly ridiculous. Okay. Which is pretty, you know, common for you. Right. Uh, emphasis on the utter part. So when I saw this <laughs> I like headline, I had, to, I had to find out more. Here's the headline. Cow gets stuck in a tree. That's impossible. That's what I said. Okay. I said, this is utterly ridiculous. You and your, your dad <laughs> puns. Um, and then you find out that it took three hours for the fire department who was called um, in on a Wednesday evening to tend to this. To now, we've had some fire department tree you know, things. Like one, one time you shared a guy went up to the top of a tree to get a cat and then That's he right. got stuck and the cat got down. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Well, this is a this is a cow in a tree. What did like a tornado whip it into a tree? Like, come <laughs> I on, this, like, I know, and it took three hours to get out of the tree. But then when you yeah, read, a cow's like a thousand pounds <laughs> or two thousand, like, like it can be like happen? thousands of pounds. Okay, so here's how it happened. Um, it's not what you think. So these two trees are there's two trees kind of growing right by each other, like a tree that splits. And the cow walked up to that and got its head stuck in between the split. Gotcha. See what I'm saying? So it wasn't like up in the tree. Okay, gotcha. But its head was good and stuck. So stuck that it literally took three hours mm. for the fire ser- service and animal rescue team to get that that cow out of there. And um, Could have made it easy. They could have just brought it straight to the slaughterhouse. That's not true. not to be like bad in there, like but like we do eat God. cows. Yeah, like this we is a do, gift from God. You know. Well, the uh the uh fire service, shout out to the firemen that did this, they tweeted about it. Mm. And I just have to I have to give them props. This is why we're sharing the story today. The tweet was the crew worked hard to remove an animal from the willow tree. That's so up your alley. And then showed a picture of the cow uh getting getting out. Getting removed. Removed. So nah. Yeah. They're definitely dads. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. If you see the picture, I mean, there's the cow just got its head right where it shouldn't be. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of the story of my life. 
You know, cows really aren't the smartest of animals. I, I did kind of grew up in the country, and cows aren't the most brilliant of them all. Mm-hmm. They're not known for their intelligence. Yeah, they just kind of follow the pack. They kind of, yeah. Yeah, some animals are like, those are so smart animals, like dolphins. You wouldn't say that about a cow. You wouldn't say about that cow. No. I've never heard it said. Right. So, yeah, that's the story of how the, the cow got stuck in a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, in in a crazy way, it, it's sort of like, you know, I've been talking a lot about this with folks is um, we, particularly for men and, and, you know, women as well, but like, you know, it, it seems like women so naturally gather in groups and support each other and, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're so uh, intuitively relational Mm-hmm. You know, guys are too, but as we get older, busy, you know, we kind of tend to like oftentimes just in life, like live life in sort of this echo chamber, which is not healthy, right? I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. Like I really think we're, where a man is at its, at his best is when surrounded by other good men helping each other move and grow and become better. Right. And mm-hmm. I've, and I've known like times in my life where I haven't, been intentional about that and i could see myself kind of slack and be lazy or not grow mm-hmm. yeah know? like my head stuck in a tree honestly <laughs> and i'm just like you know and you know the story of this cow reminds me a lot of like the paralytic in scripture mm-hmm. the, the guy's on the stretcher and he's got a few really intentional good friends who are willing to climb on a roof saw open a hole in the roof and lower him down in in front of Jesus. Mm-hmm. What if I can go a little bit nerd analytical about this? Um, the cow situation is particular. It reminds me of a situation I'll get in, people get in, where you're trying to help someone who's gotten a situation like how did you how did this happen? Like yeah. how did you get in this tree? Yeah, how did you just walk? And so you'll spend three hours let's say getting the cow out and then they just go back into the tree mm. and I'm sure you've experienced, but like there, there is a certain like, I don't know, I guess codependency or whatever we have to watch in ourselves that we're um, actually helping folks. And, and, and I mean that like in a spiritual sense that we want to do the works of charity and works of mercy that are uplifting and helpful to people and not like encourage uh, self-destructive behavior Right, I hear this from people all the time. I'm sure you do sometimes about kids, sometimes about siblings, sometimes about friends. I don't know what to do because this person just keeps going into the tree. Right. You know? Yeah. That's a really difficult situation. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I thought of about yeah. the cow in a tree. <laughs> well, I mean, it is a point where you're like, look, I don't exactly know how to make the changes, but I want to. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I want to like ask the right questions and be around the right people who can who can help me make the right changes, even though I don't know what that means, right? Like I want to stop doing what I've always done that's ended up with the same results over and over, Mm -hmm. like getting my head over. Like why would you do that again? I I don't know. Okay, do you want to change that and stop doing that? Yes, I just don't know how I'm willing to get help, ask questions, you know, whatever. But there have been times in my life where like a person of, been in a relationship with her, just keep playing. And you're like, do you want to just live that way? And they're like, yeah, I'd rather just live with my head in the tree. Okay. Well then (laughs) 
<laughs> call me when you're ready to get out. But I need to like distance myself from your stupidity. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Like it's totally important. I mean, I've I've found that to be so important. And then for me to check myself, like what tree do I keep getting stuck in? What am I keep bringing to confession for like a year? Right. What do I keep telling my spiritual director? Like I just keep going back to a tree. Um, what needs to change? Yeah. But I, I think it, it's important for us to say, yeah, like I'm not perfect. Like I, I get my head stuck in a tree, but like at the same time, like asking the questions, do I want to change? And am I willing to do the hard work to do that? Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah. I, I think grace works in our intention. What's our intention? Well, my intention is not to change. Well, guess what? Grace has just stopped flowing. Yeah. It, my intention is to change. I, I'm, I want to choose to do different, to do mm. better. Like, like, okay, so what am I going to do? And I, I do think that that's important for us to even small steps, you know, move forward. All that being said, like the fireman came and helped this, you know, cow, mm-hmm. you know. There, I'm sorry. <laughs> this analogy. You know, we're I'm getting, gonna. We're I'm gonna, so much out of this. I'm gonna analogy. tie this into everything. Yeah, it's all awesome. because that's what happens. I love it. I go back to that that thing, like you know, I need to be two people in that scripture of the paralytic. I need to be mm. two. I need to be the guy who's on the stretcher because there's times in my life that that I'm that guy, and I need people around me who are willing to do whatever it takes to get me to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right to get me help, and I need to be the the guy who's willing to do that for someone else. Who's the friend who's carrying the person on the stretcher? Who's like, I need help. Right, I need to be both. Well, and there, I think you brought up the essential goal, like to connect people to Jesus. And there, you don't just need your head out of the tree; you need Jesus, right? And so, right, I think a lot of us stress a lot about how we're going to help this person, this person, this person to avoid sticking their head in the tree again. But the real question is, how do I bring Christ to this person or bring this person to Christ? Yeah, because you can have people in your life who are friends and companions and who are willing to help you, but they're not willing to bring you to Jesus. Yeah. You know, they're willing like, hey, let's get you back up and running, but let's keep doing all the bad things together. Let's not get help together. Like, let's, misery loves company. You know, we're Mm -hmm. just going to kind of rotate positions, you know, but we're just going to live in this, in this like toxic circle that's not good yeah and and i think i guess speaking about parents just ones i've talked to with with kids that maybe have their head stuck in a tree constantly you really can't bring someone to jesus forever like it's not my responsibility but in the way i can and in the moment i can there is an art to when i am talking to this person let me bring him to jesus just in this conversation right beyond the conversation i can't you know it's not my control just in this time I have with them, how can we be with Jesus in the time we have? Mm-hmm. That's really all I can be responsible for. Like I can't, I can't think, what do I do to make sure the head never goes back in the tree? And this person's always with Jesus. Right. I can't think that way. Right. I only have the time I've been given, and there's an art to bringing people to Jesus. There's an art to doing that that every Christian should, should be striving for. You know. Yeah, I think it's ever true with parents, like with kids. You know, it's like. You know, you you only have a certain amount of time to raise your children mm-hmm. and then become adults. And you certainly are in friendship with them, hopefully for the rest of their life. But at the same time, like, you know, like they're adults, you know, so you're kind of giving them the foundation to set a course, hopefully in the right direction. You yeah. Know? 
Yeah, and like those friends of the paralytic, they brought that man to Jesus in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that changed everything. But it was just one moment, right? And sometimes that's all it takes with our kids or everything else. If like if I bring this person to Jesus in this moment, Jesus might, you know, he'll do his thing. Right. And that might impact the rest of their life. It might not. I don't know. But I do know they need Jesus right now. And if I have the ability to influence the situation, I should bring them to Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's weird. We're in a season where we have three kids out of the house. It sounds crazy to me. And it's a weird feeling because you're just like, all right, like, like you're literally on your own. Yeah. Like your daily choices and your, your, where you navigate. I mean, we're here, mm-hmm. but like we don't have the influence that we used to have. Right, right. You're not in our house, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it becomes a, a um, interesting sort of way to navigate and, and to let go. It, you know, it, it's hard. So anyway, okay, so here's the deal. All right, here's the deal. The, the saint I wanted to talk about today is also related to weird Catholic stuff. What? Yep. Did you just talk about that? Yeah. What are you doing? I'm crazy. Why would you even say that? I don't know. Catholics are weird, man. Yep. Weird Catholic stuff! Yeah, weird Catholic stuff. Um, hands down. So, okay. So I was reading about the saint this week. I didn't know much about him and he's got some weird things or a weird thing, but then it's related to other weird things from like other weird Catholic things. Did you just follow that? Makes total sense. Makes total sense. So St. Joseph, uh, Cupertino. Mm -hmm. Okay. We celebrate this week. Okay. So what's weird about St. Joseph Cupertino? Sounds weird. I mean, he was around. So get this. Like, this is like, you know, 1600s. He was around 1603 to 1663. So he lived 60 years. 60 when he died. You love the math, don't you? You're good at it. He died September 18th. This is why we celebrate him this week. Okay. So this isn't like super long ago. This is like, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. 400 something years ago. Yeah, nothing. I mean, when we talk about church history. Yeah, or like history itself. 400 years is like nothing. Yeah. You know, this is why it's interesting to me. Like some people's church history is like 500 years. I'm like, where do you come from? <laughs> you know, it's like, what? <laughs> Zoom out. Okay, St. Joseph Cupertino is most famous for, I'll give you choices. Okay? Okay. Uh, raising someone from the grave. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Healing someone of leprosy. Levitating in prayer. Or Eucharistic miracle. Ooh. Mm. Pretend like you don't know him. All right. I'll pretend like I don't know. Uh, and since this is weird Catholic stuff. They're all weird. They're I gave all you weird. all weird things. Okay. So here's the thing. He is most famous for levitating in prayer. And there's been very few saints that we know this about. Right. They're levitating in prayer. Already as a child, Joseph showed a fondness for prayer. After a short com- career with the uh, Capuchins, he joined the uh, Covenantal Franciscans, uh, a religious, you know. Mm. Check this out. Uh, since we're talking about cows, you see where I'm going here? Yeah. yeah. Following a brief assignment caring for a, f- a mule. Mm-hmm. He was that was a, his job. He was yep. a, he was just a mule carrier. He just cared for a mule. Think about that as like mm-hmm. your assignment. 
Talk about humility. Yeah. You know? You're the mule guy. You're the mule guy. Joseph began his studies in the priesthood. He he loved the prayer. Joseph's tendency to levitate during prayer was sometimes a cross. Some people even came to see this as much. They might have gone to a circus or a sideshow. Like mm-hmm. he didn't know it was happening. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and it happened that often. So he'd, he he would levitate in prayer. So, you know, to explain that, like he would pray. As he was praying, like he to levitate, like to to float, like to you know come off, you know to be suspended, yeah, per se, like right? flying, yeah, like Which flying. Is weird. In fact, there was an old movie, black and white. I don't know how old, but it was called uh, "The Flying Priest." That's about him. And uh, is that what he was called? Yeah. Okay. The Flying Priest. The flying Priest. <laughs> um, yeah, and apparently it happened so often that. Uh, and the church became pretty interested in it, and he was summoned to the Vatican, Pope Urban the Eighth. And um, anyway, so when he went to, he came into the audience. The custom of the time was you kissed the feet of the Pope when you got in there, right? So okay. we went from feet to ring to now I don't know. We just wave hands, tweet at him. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so you go to kiss the feet. When he did that, he levitated in the room. They investigated him, actually, and they found that there were 70 incidents of levitation Seven recorded, zero. recorded. Wow. Uh, and this became a cross for him because it became more you know, of a burden than anything, but he couldn't yeah. help it. He would go to pray. And you can imagine, like, you, you can't make yourself levitate. Right. So like, he would be so entrenched in prayer that he would, he would levitate. <laughs> that is weird. I just wish my thoughts could levitate in prayer. Like like my mind could exit my body and be united in Christ. And I think I've had moments of just deep contemplation like that. But like mm-hmm. can you imagine be so levitated? Well, we gotta be clear you... too, if you've never heard of this, we're not talking like two feet off the ground. Um we're talking like the ceiling. <laughs> okay. And this is not... this is weird Catholic stuff. Yeah. So like we're we're going all the way. Before you thinking this is like a, a David Blaine trick or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, two feet off the ground, like wow, no, like this is not an illusion. No, right. it's it's like up in the church, like top of the church, flying around kind of thing. Okay, so were there <laughs> any other recorded saints that weirdly, oddly levitated that we know of? So I found this list of four, but I know a fifth, technically. Okay, so we know a fifth. I mean, we we know him personally. We met him. Just joking. Yeah. <laughs> Padre Pio levitated. Padre Pio. I mean, he bi-located for sure. Yeah. Know, but yeah, a- apparently, at least in one instance, when he was bi-locating, he was also levitating up way up there in the sky. Uh, it was World War II. His uh, people in Pietrocina were nervous about getting bombed because we- they were bombing Italy. And um, anyway, <clears throat> he told them, don't worry. The town's going to be safe, you know? And there's all these stories about bombers, like their plane started malfunctioning or whatever when they got around Pietrocina. There are also stories of this mm. flying monk. So more than one plane mm. saw this flying monk in the sky and swerved the plane to avoid him. And then one of the pilots, an American, who saw this monk swerve to avoid him, uh, couldn't get the experience out of his mind, which uh, makes sense. Like if I'm flying and see a person flying up there mm-hmm. with me. I'll be like, who was that guy? But he was also a, a Catholic, apparently, and he met uh, Padre Pio or saw him later in life and said, that's the guy I saw. Hmm. 
<clears throat> well, anyway, so Pietrocina was not bombed or harmed in any way. Um, so, but he was bilocating at a time. So it's not like he flew from dinner up into the sky. He was still on the ground, but bilocating in the air, flying up there to save his town. Just wild. So that's one. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi levitated. He did. Apparently. I didn't know that, but that's what they're saying. I think I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Not as much. No. Not as many recordings, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, St. Teresa of Avila. She levitated. Apparently levitated. Really? Yeah, apparently it was witnessed by many, many people. Um, and it seems she described it in an autobiography kind of uh, like not very clearly. So it's not clear in reading it. But if you know she levitated, like, oh, that's what she was talking about. Okay. So she even testified. And then we have one I've never heard of, St. Mary of Jesus Crucified. And this is a new saint. So, so Pope Francis canonized her in 2015. Ah. And she died in 1878, so that's pretty recent. Okay. Now, Padre Pio is more recent. Yeah. Okay. But in 1878, you know, that's pretty, pretty recent. But she was a nun. And um, on June 22nd, she was missing at supper. Where's Sister Mary? She Don't know gone. where she's at. She left. They found her balanced on top of a large tree singing praises to God. Hmm. All right. Uh, they ordered her to come down. And she complied by flying down. Nice. <laughs> so that would be really that's a weird story. Convenient. Yeah, like Mary Poppins style, I guess. The reason I'll never levitate in prayer is because I want to levitate in prayer. That's right. She didn't. Yeah. So there, there are at least seven occasions where she levitated like that. Yeah, I'm like, wouldn't so. levitating be good right now? I could just kind of like fly home. <laughs> you know how many times I'd want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. If I had that, I wouldn't ever have it. That's right. So those are, as far as the ones, I know, the, the ones we know. The those weird, are the ones we know. The weird levitators. The weird levitators. So, you know, I just, if I'm not Catholic and I hear about these stories, like, what do I do with that? I don't know. As a Catholic, as a person of faith, I'm like, wow, that's pretty neat. I'm sure it happened. It verifies everything I know about, you know, Jesus and grace and supernatural and all that stuff. But if I'm not Catholic, this is weird. Yeah. Like, I don't know how, how you wrestle with it. Well, that. with St. Joseph Retino, you know, he did get investigated. Like, it's not like the church is like, oh, okay, cool. We'll just take your word for it. And it wasn't like it was just one time. Right. So with Lots him, of times. they have 70 recorded investigated times that they could say the dude was levitating. Like, he was off the ground. You know, and the records are very specific. So, for example, there's one. Let's see. He entered a church. Uh, he saw a statue of Mary elevated ten feet in the air and flew over the crowd in church. <laughs> prayed, flew back to the door, and then went back home. Um, so that's this, a very specific, yeah, de- detail. Yeah, you see what I'm saying like like you can track his route. Right. Exactly. So he's the patron saint. Just so you know. Air travelers. <laughs> so I got a I got <laughs> nice. a new patron. Astronauts. Okay. Nice. So any of our astronauts who are listening. And pilots. Wow. Yeah, so good for him. The astronauts thing is funny because he was he was not known to be intelligent. Mm. Um in fact they called him what was the nickname? Well, I mean, he, he watched a mule. He watched a mule. Um I think they called him an ape a lot because he kept his mouth open a lot and didn't talk much. Mm. Um so that was probably his innocence. 
Like our yeah. intellect, if our intellect, it was like, I would say, yeah, it's impossible for me to levitate. Like my, maybe right. he was just so innocent, you know, and his, yeah. and his love for God and his prayer that God just gave him a gift. I mean, levitating is a, a gift. And like it said, it became a burden for him in, in right. a sense of like, he had to have a lot of humility. It, yeah. You know, like it's not it a gift a that he man. wanted. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the beautiful paradox of the gospel, this man who was not smart enough to do anything other than watch mules is now the patron saint of astronauts who are like the, mo- the smartest people on the planet. Yeah. They're like, hey, what do we do with uh, Joseph of Cupertino? How about he watches the mules? Well, if you watch that movie, I don't know if this is true or not, but there's a really cool scene. He's outside watching the mule, okay, and the bishop is coming to visit the monastery, and he sees Brother Cupertino, and he's intrigued by this humble little monk watching this mule, right? So he just starts having a conversation, and the bishop starts talking about his homily about the Trinity and how difficult of a time he's having with this mystery. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's a cool scene in the movie. And uh, anyway, so Cupertino, like, well, yeah, it's like this. And I don't remember the analogy he used. He was like, man, you're right. And it, I don't know. They're trying to show the wisdom of a simple man. Mm-hmm. Maybe that actually happened or not. But Right. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here today, listening to the show on the podcast or on the radio. Thanks to all our listeners, KLFT Radio here and Acadia. South Louisiana is where we live. We love it here. For all our podcast listeners, the weather's great. Yeah, come come on down. Come on down. Come on down. We're good to go. Or come on up if you happen to be lower e- than us. I yeah. Yeah, either way. I mean, it's been a weird show. Yeah. You know, if we ever miss a week, it's just weird. Because we have like <laughs> all this stuff we want to. It's true. It's kind of the animal edition. We've talked about so many different types of animals. Uh, well, this show. Well, that being said, then there's probably no telling where this segment's going to go. But I think it's time for a six pack of questions. <laughs> Six pack. Question. All right. So, question number one. You, uh, when we started, you talked about going to Vail, Colorado, and going up up the mountains on mission like that. Um, so, tell me about the church in Colorado because Denver specifically, it's it's known to be like a hub of kind of vibrant, growing Catholic life. What was your experience of that while you're in Denver? What did, what did you see? Yeah, they have a lot of big evangelical-type ministries there that operate there, or headquarter there. Um, the Archdiocese has had a reputation of being pretty good. You know, like, mm. 
Um, I, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like when you boil down the church in a diocese, like how are parishes doing? Right. Right. You know, like, it, right. Like, yeah. Like how's everyday life going, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would say they would probably say they're just like every diocese. Like there's some really good parishes that are doing really amazing work and some that are struggling. Mm-hmm. To do that. Now, I do think that they have a vibrancy of like young adults who are doing mission work for the church because they come out of uh, ministries of focus or um, St. Paul's Outreach or um, the Augustine Institute that's out there. So like that are forming these young missionaries to to be, so, you know, to supply the church with, with workers who are willing to do hard work in the trenches. Yeah. You know, awesome. And they love living in Denver, I guess. You know, that is a neat place. All right. Question number two. So I had made the comment about there seemed to be more gimmicks in the church a couple decades ago than we need right now. What's one gimmick you used uh, that you're kind of ashamed about? Hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean by gimmick? Yeah. Just kind of a fancy way to present the gospel or like try to get people on your side. Yeah. You wouldn't do today. Hmm. Well, I did a lot of crazy things as a young youth minister. Now, I never gimmicked. I never gimmicked the gospel. Like, right, I ne- right, right. Never, never like tricked people. There was never like a bait and switch. Right. Which I always thought was completely inappropriate. Like, let me let me trick you into kind of hearing the message. There was right. never. I no 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 no. Don't ever. But I did some pretty crazy games and like activities to like make things fun for youth. Yeah, like kids and. One time we got a trough, like literally, like a trough. Another that was probably thing. like, you know, I don't know, maybe like 200 gallon trough. Wow, and that we, is a trough. We filled it with oatmeal, <laughs> made oatmeal, and we just did this stupid game called Where's the Oatmeal? And like, <laughs> we. I had I had like dared like some of our other like youth leader volunteers to like like the kids didn't know this was happening and then they would run and jump in the oatmeal. It had nothing to do with anything. Literally like it it had nothing to do with anything other than like making people laugh. Nice. Where's the oatmeal? And it did. It made people laugh. That is awesome. Right. And I've always found that in in a lot, in the human way like humor goes a long way like joy and humor. And that always, like, particularly for young people, but I even feel like for adults when I speak for adults, if you can, like, break the ice, tell a funny story, just be human together, like, laugh together. It's sort of a common emotion. And then be able to present the message or, or the gospel. That, like, people are more willing to hear because they, they relax. They trust you, mm-hmm. you know. And I always found, like, with teenagers, at least early on, like, earning sort of that respect or the 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 right to be heard mm-hmm. was something that I thought was important. That's awesome. I'm, but I, I like did that. games that made no sense. Like, so it wasn't like, how does this tie in? Like, <laughs> like a parent would be like, so how'd the oatmeal tie in? Like, yeah. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't tie in at all. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, question number three. You had made the comment about people who are comfortable in their own skin and authentic being the most attractive kind of people. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. For a lot of us who are listening who maybe maybe don't feel comfortable in their own skin, maybe don't feel comfortable being who they are, and they're trying to be, what's like one, two, three things to think about or, I don't know, 
tips is the right word, but like what's what's an avenue to get more comfortable in your own skin and learn to love who God called you to be? I know I'm putting you on the spot. That's a big question. Yeah, I'm. That is, I think, you know, I think we learn. I think the first step is learning first what our real identity in Christ is. Like when we can rest in being a son and daughter of Jesus, divine filiation, we start to become comfortable with, with who we are. And then we can start to peel away like all the false self, all the ways that we've tried not to be ourselves or to try to pretend to be someone else or take on someone else's persona or characteristics. I think it comes with, with age and wisdom too, as we grow more comfortable into that, you know, but you can't do that. I don't think you can do that without first knowing, um, Jesus. I love that. So step one, know who you are in Christ, in Christ, step two, peel away the false layers. Yeah. And then it sounds like step three, be patient, Mm -hmm. wait for the life experience. Yeah. And Jesus peels away the layers for us. He's, Mm -hmm. he's the gentle, you know, divine physician, as some of the church fathers would have called him. Mm-hmm. He just, he is very crafty and patient with us and loving in his ways of healing. Yeah. Our false self. Question number four. So we talked about that uh, cow got his head stuck in a tree. You remember that? I do. I, yeah, it was a big part of the show today. <laughs> it was a big part of the show. Okay. Um, now, I know you're not a, a priest who hears confession, neither am I, but you do hear a lot of people bear their soul to you in lots of different ways and settings. That's true. What would you say are kind of the most common ways that everyday Catholics just keep going back in the tree, like spiritually? What mm-hmm. are those things that we we just, it's kind of a common theme, like we just don't see either the need to change or can change about our relationship with the Lord? Well, just a brief one, because we could do a whole show on that. I mm-hmm. think people really do get stuck in the rut of like just a pattern. I just have lived this way a certain, mm-hmm. you know, so many years. My wife and I just talked to each other this way our whole life. We've just annoyed or um, avoided each other our whole life like this. And now it's all kind of coming to, you know, an explosion. And we don't know how to do it any differently. Yeah. So we're just going to keep doing what we've always done. And, and it's just this pattern. It's this pattern. And, you know, I talked to, you know, just using the marriage analogy, people who have been married 20, 30 years and, and, they're, and their marriage has fallen apart. But it's like started falling apart years and years ago. But they just never did anything different. You know, they never popped out of that pattern. You know, and mm-hmm. people mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically just are in this pattern they can't get out of. And it's the hard thing is to pop out of that pattern and start doing different things. It could be anything. Spiritual uplifting, losing weight, you know, uh, you know, growing intellectually and reading more. Like it, it just is going to take a hard decision to kind of pop you out of that pattern that's been safe and comfortable and easy. Man, you're nailing the hard questions today. Thank you. So this is the hardest of all. Okay. So we talked about St. Joseph Cupertino. Yeah. How he flew and stuff. He did. If you haven't heard previous episodes, uh, Paul's not ashamed to admit this, but he's afraid of heights. That is true. So my fifth question to you is, if you were given this gift of levitation, Mm -hmm. what would be the comfortable height 
that before you, you know. But now I have a patron of, of air travelers, so now That's I got right. him on my side. Whew. Five feet? Ten? What's the highest you'd want to go? Now, I, I'm i not, like, super afraid of, like, a ten feet. Like, I would, if I'm on my roof, I could hop mm-hmm. off, you know, okay. and land. You okay. Know? That's not a bad, yeah. So, ten. I think any height that, like, if I fell and died, that would be weird. Okay, so that would yeah. be the cutoff. But if I was allowed to wear, like, a parachute. Yeah, I, I Some think, type of safety net. I think if you can levitate, you kind of make your own rules. I don't okay. know. I'm okay. I mean, God makes the rules, but... Yeah. I'm, yeah. Good. I'm down. Parachute's negotiable, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the gift that God would not give me anyway, but... Yeah. You never know. You never know. All right, question number six. Um, you mentioned um, the podcast platform that we're now on. Spoke Street. Spoke Street. Yeah, and we're on, like, all the same, you know, platforms to listen, but they kind of archive, like, a bunch of different podcasts, which is cool. Right. That is cool. So lots of different Catholic podcasts to listen to. So my question to you is, why should any of us take the time to listen to Catholic podcasts? What value does it bring to our life at all? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I listen to them just because it like helps me like learn some stuff, grow, have fun. You know, so there's different ones, different mm-hmm. topics. Yeah, I mean, it. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it is a very cool thing to be on that platform. So thanks for Kyle and uh, Spoke Street, and uh, I love listening to. A variety of podcasts that have nothing to do with each other so mm-hmm. it sounds like that kind of place to go like it's all within the catholic world but i love the variety of podcasts you know like where i'm not listening to the same voices all the time with the same ideas there's some good ones on there yeah yeah so now there's the paul george show. that's a good one apparently awesome well dude great show thanks everyone for listening klft and all our podcast listeners and we will be back next week god bless you.